This is a HeadGum Podcast. The following is an announcement of my new show called Get It Right by Rewire.News, an intersection of geek culture, feminism, and reproductive justice. Hi, everyone. I'm teaming up with the website Rewire.News to explore the intersection of their work and mine on a brand new podcast called Get It Right. On Get It Right, we explore pop culture through the lens of justice, and particularly reproductive justice. I'll be talking to critics and creators about comics, movies, TV, music, anything is fair game. Our first show is live. It's a great discussion with Joanna Robinson of VanityFair.com on the way Game of Thrones handles and mishandles issues of race, gender, sex, and sexual assault. You can find it now on iTunes or Stitcher to search for Get It Right or Rewire. Give it a listen and drop us a review with any ideas for what you'd like to hear us cover. See you soon. Hi, this is Anika Noni Rose, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Andre Meadows. I have a YouTube channel, Black Nerd Comedy. Have you heard of it? Don't matter, because you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, the best podcast in the whole world that I'm doing a promo for right now. Boom! Hey there, this is Ava DuVernay, creator of Queen Sugar on OWN, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Shanae Gibbs. This is Chanel Gibbs, also known as the Gibbs Sisters. And we're on the Black Black Girl Girl Nerds Podcast. Peace, y'all. What's up? This is Akil, the MC from the Jurassic 5, and you are now tuned in to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Yeah, I like nerdy girls. Yo, what's up? This is Shale Hadari Coker, the showrunner and creator and executive producer of Marvel's Luke Cage. You're listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. This is Latoya Morgan. I am a writer on Into the Badlands, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Hi, this is Daryl Bell from Planet Earth. Now, actually, I'm from a different world, school days, and, well, Chicago. There you go. I'm from there, too, and it's a joy and a pleasure to be here on the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled Samira Sobe, Empire and Tuxedo Mask. Three segments, 
In our first segment, we invite the one, the only, Samira Wiley. Samira Sobey was a hashtag that we used on Twitter to express our love and our crush on this amazing actress who had an exit that was very controversial on Orange is the New Black. But you can catch Samira on some new projects, including her latest film called 37. And she's got some TV roles that are under her belt. And she discusses that on a one-on-one with Karan. In our second segment, we invite Soraya McNeil. Soraya plays the role of Tiana, Hakeem's love interest, on Fox's Empire. And that is a one-on-one interview with Karan yet again. In our third segment, we invite Robbie Damon. You know him best from so many roles in animation, anime, and video games. And he was the hotness that is Tuxedo Mask in Sailor Moon. And this is a one-on-one interview with Kayla. So that's it. Three incredible actors and three fantastic segments. Stay tuned for some really great exclusives that we got from New York Comic Con. Right now we are winding down. We're also gearing up for some new stuff. And if you haven't done so already, check out my new podcast, It's Rewired News' new show called Get It Right. On that show, I'm talking about the intersection of geek culture with reproductive justice issues. And we tackle it from both issues as someone who is a fan, as well as being socially conscious to these issues. So you can listen to Rewire's Get It Right on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Music, and Spreaker. The same streams that you can listen to the Black Girl Nerds podcast on. So sit back, relax, and I think, again, well, I know it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. Listen to this podcast. Share it. Tell everybody about it. Check out Get It Right. Listen to it. Share it. Tell everybody about it. And thanks again for your long and continued and loyal support. Enjoy. Samira Wiley is an actress and model best known for playing Pusey Washington in the Netflix original series Orange is the New Black. Wiley studied drama at Juilliard School in New York and graduated in 2010. She's trained in theater performance and worked mainly in theater in her early career. Currently, the new film called 37 starring Samira Wiley, Michael Potts, Marquise Gary, Christina Brucato, Maria Dizia, Adrian Martinez, and so many more as playing On Demand. 37 is inspired by the true story of Kitty Genovese's murder in Kew Gardens, New York in 1964. The story made national headlines when it was reported that 37 neighbors witnessed the brutal murder and rape of Kitty Genovese and did not intervene, something known as the bystander effect a fictional account of what may have happened. 37 peaks in the lives of three disparate families, the lonely neighbor who may have witnessed that tragic night. Take a listen to this segment featuring actress Samira Wiley, hosted by Karan. Hey guys, this is Karan for the Black Girl Nerds Podcast, and today we have Samira Wiley, best known for her role as Pusey Washington on Orange is the New Black. Her star continues to rise far beyond the bars of Litchfield. I'm so excited. She's our guest today on the podcast. She's fresh out, y'all. Welcome, Samira. <laughs> Hi. 
We're so glad to have you. But before we go on, on behalf of all of us at Black Girl Nerds, congratulations on your engagement. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. You are so welcome. A few people are a little bit salty because they thought you were the one, but we are all so happy for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Samira, did you have any idea how much you were loved before Orange is the New Black ended for you? I think that I knew that people were really fond of the character of Poussey. Um, I don't think that I fully understood until the reaction came out how much people would be affected. I knew that people would be affected, but the the response was just overwhelming. You know, I, I, I guess it's uncomfortable for me to think uh, that people, you know, love love me, but it's, I mean, it's such a great feeling to be able to have such an outpouring of love from people who fell in love with that character and people who have subsequently um, grown fond of me. Well, why do you believe Poussey was endeared and connected with so many people? When I think about Poussey, I think about, oh, gosh, I, that sounds like somebody I want to, I, I want some traits I want to have. You know, she's mm-hmm. such a good friend. She has a real moral compass. She's tiny but has a huge heart. And she's, she has become sort of the, you know, the the uh, moral center for the show, even. We especially see that in season two, where she is able to stand up to the character V, who ended up being so diabolical, the girls that she was manipulating and to the rest of the prison. She was not to be trusted, and Poussey saw that from the beginning. And I think that that is very admirable and something that I think a lot of people who just want to be, quote-unquote, you know, good people admire. So we know that hindsight is twenty twenty. How has Orange is the New Black impacted your life as an artist, and what was the most significant thing you took away from that experience? Oh, gosh. Orange completely changed my life, I think, is, is an understatement. I was a bartender before I got the job on Orange, and I was so scared that they wouldn't call me back for the next episode because it was episode by episode. You didn't know Mm -hmm. whether you were going to be in it or not. And so I stayed bartending the entire time (laughs) when he (laughs) filmed season one. And even just because I didn't know what Netflix was, I didn't know what this release was going to be, I stayed bartending after the show came out. And people started recognizing me. And my friends were like, uh, Samira, uh, I think you should stop doing this. Um, It was you know, something that I never could have saw happen. I'm, I'm coming. The fame from it was not gradual. It was sort of all at once. The show came out on like a Thursday or Friday, and after that weekend, I I don't think there's been a day that's gone by where I haven't gotten recognized by someone. I think the most important thing that I have taken away from the show is, you know, I was really, really privileged to be able to have so many women of power on that set. We had women producers, directors, of course, the creator of our show. Mm -hmm. I think we have the most women uh, female writers on a show right now. And to have that be my first venture really into the business in such a a big way, um, the magnitude of that role and of the show was something I couldn't predict. So to be on set with so many women was inspiring and empowering and something that I'll never forget. 
I can imagine. What are your thoughts about how companies like Netflix and web series are changing the way we get our entertainment now? You know, I think it's honestly just uh, just us growing with the time, you know. Um, I think that people have really responded to that type of, you know, receiving their entertainment, to mm-hmm. being able to have choice. There are still people, which which I I really like the, you know, framing it as having choice and not, you know, binge watching because you have that choice too. But there's also people who take their time and want to watch an episode every uh, every month or every week, like how, you know, episodes are traditionally aired. And I just think that it's, you know, I don't have too much to say about it other than I like it. Um, it was <laughs> my life. And most of my friends and people that I talk to, it, it just seems that this is the time to sort of start this, especially Orange being, you know, one of the very first shows that caught on in that in that way of showing media. Um, it's just a way to, to view of our time. Well, you've been very busy. Tell us what you've got coming up. I know you have the Movie 37, and there are a couple of other projects that you're working on. What's good for you? I'm really excited about 37 coming out. I think it's something unlike anything I've ever done. Um, I also think it's just a really important story to be told. Mm-hmm. I think that it should have probably been told before now in a you know a dramatic way, but I'm happy that it hasn't, so I can be a part of it. Working with Michael Pox, who's you know a veteran actor and someone who I look up to, being able to work alongside him in the movie was a treat and a learning experience and um, something that I feel like was, you know, helped me shape a small part of who I am as an artist. And so I've got that. I've got, I think, the most immediate thing other than 37, the show that I'm, TV show I'm working on now uh, with Hulu called Handmaid's Tale, which is based yes. on a Margaret Atwood book. I am having the best time uh, <laughs> working with, again, so many women of power. You've got Elizabeth Moss, who I feel like it's about time. She had her own show. She has mm-hmm. been so consistent. I feel like her ability as an actor, i am been a fan of hers, and to be able to work along, alongside her is a real gift. Um, then we've got Reed Morano, who is directing the first few episodes of the series. She's such an up-and-coming, you know, director and um, is doing amazing things. And to be able to, again, be in the in the presence of so many uh, powerful women is just a, a great next step for me. We're all about powerful women here. What is your ideal direction to go? Do you plan to stay in front of the camera? Do you write? Do you want to get behind the camera? Where's your intent when it comes to moving forward with your career? Absolutely. You know, I think that um, a lot of people, um, you know, in terms of their career, after they've been in it for a while, they start to venture into other, uh, you know, behind the camera and producing and things like that. I I think that I'm very I, – I want to do things in a way that makes sense and in a way that is not pushing. I want to make sure that I don't just do something like that because I feel like I should. There is, I feel like, just a, a thing that I've always gone through, you know, something that feels right from role to role, the roles that I take, trying to have some discernment in how my career develops. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely interested in in directing. It's hard to be interested in writing when <laughs> when your fiancé is a writer and she makes a living that way. <laughs> um, and actually a good one. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to make sure that there is an, uh, you know, an organic time and place for that that makes sense for me. I don't want to push myself and then have something be subpar. I'm really invested in being a part of things that have real integrity. And I want to, I feel like I have so much more learning to do. I feel like I have learning to do as an actor and venturing into other parts of, of the creative process, um, I think are probably down the line for me, but I want to make sure that they come at the right time. Where'd you grow up? D.C., Washington, D.C. Really? <laughs> Girl, I'm from Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> grew up in D.C. with two two Baptist pastors as parents. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tarry long at the altar? Were you at the altar tarrying? <laughs> I was at church seven days a week, a week, and that is not an exaggeration. My parents were so dedicated to the church. It was really inspiring. I mean, sometimes we would have to get the deacons pick us up from school <laughs> because they were busy, and then but they'd pick us up, and they'd bring us right to church. <laughs> <laughs> we practically lived in the church when I was little, too. I'm real churchy. I can get into it. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. the language, the lifestyle. I like my second home. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you had shut-ins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> Do you have any other um, any other unique talents that we don't know about? Well, I, I think some people may know about it just because um, – in season one, in the last last finale of season one, I sang Amazing Grace in it. Yes. For this finale. And I, so I grew up, again, referencing the church. I grew up being <laughs> in the church. My father is a musician as well as being a pastor and, you know, was always singing in the choir. I don't know. I don't have any desire right now to, like, you know, like cut an album or anything like that, but... I am, you know, of the uh, of the mind that we have talents for a reason. You know, we should we should definitely use them. So to being able to sing in that episode, I felt like was really great, and I hope that I'm able to, even if it's not solely just singing, to be able to use that in um, in future projects. I loved that episode. Oh, <laughs> if you could ask one thing of the world, what would it be? Wow. You know, one thing. See, that's so hard. You got to pick one thing. I know, right? <laughs> it's a lot going on. Uh, I think that the one thing I would teach the world is, you know, there's this, my father um, did a lot of study on um, a man named Howard Thurman, who was a theologian. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing, one quote that will always stay with me, um, I don't want to act like it's an original quote. Uh, <laughs> I just want to learn how to be me without, see, I'm going to mess it up. I just want to learn how to be me with, with also, let, you know, letting you be you and not being afraid of having you be you while I'm me. I think that there's so much fear in the world. Um, there's so much fear of what someone else is doing and how it's going to affect your life when honestly it's mm-hmm. not going to affect your life at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are, we have differences for a reason because it's beautiful and we're able to recognize and celebrate the differences in us as human beings because how boring is it if everyone is the same. So I want everyone to know or, you know, to think about trying to be you with letting everybody else be themselves as well. 
How long did it take you to be you? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I I mean, I think it's definitely recent. I had a you know, I was definitely like um not completely either didn't completely understand who I was, which I feel like a lot of people go through just because of society and what the norms are. And honestly, I don't think I really fully stepped into myself uh, until, you know, I was definitely already had filmed a few seasons of Orange when I was like, maybe just a couple years ago, (laughs) really, you know, had felt completely comfortable in who I am. And honestly, a lot of that is due to the love that I receive from people on social media, from people who I run into in the street. You know, I get messages from people from all around the world, from Brazil, from Iceland, from Africa, from everywhere, places that would really, I I feel like I'm reaching you there. You know, this is Mm -hmm. mind-blowing. But people who have, you know, literally written about the inspiration that they have gained from me just living my life, and that gives me, you know, it's reciprocal. That gives me more courage to be able to live my life more authentically. So I think it's a give and take. And I really, really do think with the outpouring of love of the last few years from the show uh, has given me so much, um, so much courage to be able to do that in a bold way. I always like to ask before I end an interview if you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for our black girl nerds. Absolutely. You know, I think that a lot of times people are so caught up, and it sounds so good, so caught up in being different, and you have to be different, and it's okay to be different, and it's completely okay to be different. But I think a lot of times that pushes people to try to be inauthentic. I like being yourself more than being different, that we do have differences, but a lot of times, which also makes it so wonderful is that we're able to commune with people who have the same experience as us. And it's all right to be whoever you are, whether that is the same as someone else or different from someone else. You have to be authentic to who you are. It is so scary to do that. And I don't want to act like it's simple to just be who you are. It is scary. It's also, it's a self-discovery of finding out exactly who that person is. Mm -hmm. And to know that that journey may take your entire life. But how wonderful that is to take that journey and figure out exactly who you are as a person and love exactly who that person is. Wow, thank you so much, Samira. Ladies and gentlemen, Samira Wiley. In our next segment, Karan interviews actress and singer Soraya McNeil. She's known as the role of Tiana on Fox's Empire, a staple since season one, Soraya began as Hakeem's on-screen love interest and has transitioned into a bona fide star. Hi, Soraya. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Me and my girls are such big fans of yours, and uh, it's really exciting to see you guys in season three. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're so welcome. So let's jump right into it. I'd like to first know... How has being a part of Empire helped you grow as an artist? I know that this is something that you've always wanted to do and you kind of gave up a little bit of hope before this role came along. So how have you grown since taking it? Oh, gosh. I've I've grown a lot. I think being, um, like you said, granted the opportunity to finally do what I love to do 
and being able to grow inside of that has been amazing. The journey has definitely been rewarding. So, yeah. So I really want to talk about your hair because your hair is thick and rich and buttery and luxurious, and I love it. And I heard in a very early interview, I think it was in season one, that you didn't always have a love affair with your hair, but it turned out to be an asset for the role. So my question to you is, since then, how have has it changed for you as far as your pride in yourself and your self-love? Oh, God. Um, my character has given me so much, so, 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 so much um, just confidence in myself and, and a lot of things that I didn't like, the body image or whether that's my hair. I think that Tiana has definitely forced me to, to you know, embrace those things. And uh, I think that growing up with the whole hair thing and then having to be, you know, and then having the world love the one thing that you, you know, were like, eh, about yourself, they they loved. And that's like, it's just such a ironic situation. So I definitely paid attention to that and, and started to grow into loving my own, you know, natural self and, and what that meant. So it's been, it's been such a, a growing journey as far as artistry, but so much for my personal self, too. What's been the most surprising thing about the response from the fans? You are so talented, and being able to see you on Empire, I hope we're going to get to see more of you this season. But what's been the most surprising thing to you about the response from the fans? Oh, God. I think my hair was the biggest one, and <laughs> probably um, just getting a lot of confirmation from my fans that they love, like, my performance and stuff. And then seeing, like, the little kids, like literally, there's this little girl. Her name's Violet. She's on. She's in this season, and she's um, a certain character's daughter. And I swear, she is so adorable. She came up to me yesterday on set, and Jesse and Taraji are like, "Come here, come here. You have to see this. You have to see this." I'm like, "What?" And then, you know, she just starts doing this dance moves from season one, and she like killed it. And she's like, "I got a body like a weapon." It goes, "Go, go, go, yeah, and she did the whole, like, dance. And I was like, what the, you know, and it just made me, like, feel like, oh, my gosh, like, how much I influence just kids in general and, and how, and how you know, the smile on her face just felt. And, and that time when I see that, stuff like that, it just makes me feel like, you know, whatever type of day I'm having. It's like, it's so worth it. It's so worth it because I was so her, like, trying to be Beyonce or whoever else. So yeah. it's just so worth it to see things like that, and that's, like, oh. the biggest, yeah. So I wouldn't be a part of Black Girl Nerds if I didn't ask you this question. What is the geekiest thing about you? What is what is the nerd side of you? <clears throat> Maybe tell me something that other people may not know about you. Hmm, interesting. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't know. I feel like my friends always call me a weirdo, but I don't know why. <laughs> um... I think that it's just I'm very silly in my like in my personal life. I have like these, and I don't know if it's because like I've always been into like acting and stuff. I don't know what it is, but I have like this little uh, like me and my friend have this like little dialect that we do, like just stupid stuff like that, and like we have like our own little like language that we talk by, and like that's really weird. Um, never said that. <laughs> Or, uh, and I would probably say that I am, like, 
a big YouTube nerd. Like, growing in high school, I used to watch, like, all the tutorials and, like, natural hair and, like, makeup and stuff like that. What else? I am I am such a, I don't know if I'm a nerd, but I'm such a weirdo. I call my kids weirdos, too, and you are not alone in making up the languages. My sister and I had a language, and we called it Sino Nico Bico, and nobody knew what we were talking about, but we made it up, and we made it work. So, Oh, my God. I'm so glad that someone else did that. <laughs> Us weirdos got to stick together, girl. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so I am a nerd. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So what can we expect from you? Do you have a project in the works for us? Yes, I have a mixtape I'm working on so hard for all my free time that I, I want to release one of the songs very, very, very soon, within like probably within October. So that's what I'm working on right now very heavily. But, yeah, I'm I'm so excited for my for my fans just to get, you know, some tracks for me and some visuals for me that are free and that are just for them. So, yeah. I am so looking forward to it. Thank you so much. You are super sweet. Thank you so much. I am so excited. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Robbie Damon is a voice actor known for providing voices in animation, audiobooks, Japanese anime, and video games. You know him in roles such as Sway Sway from Breadwinners, Mamoru Chiba and Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon, and Evan and Miles from Transformer Rescue Bots. But he has a severely long resume. This is a one-on-one interview with Robbie and Kayla. I'm really excited because obviously I'm a huge fan. I can see I love your shirt. great. So as far as voice acting, how did you jump into it? Oh, uh, mine was less of a jump and more of a slow trudged down the <laughs> path. Uh, I, I was, I've, I've been an actress since I was a little kid. Then I started in theater and did my first professional play. I was like 10. Did theater all through high school. Started doing summer stock in high school. College, I went to theater for college. Then I started doing summer stock to pay for college and things that I wanted to buy outside of my scholarship and what my parents were giving me. And then you know, I went to grad school for it, got a master's degree, and I, and I got out at 25. Oh. And then it was time to move. Mm-hmm. Do I go to New York or L.A.? And that's, I just knew I had to go to one or the other uh, in order to really sort of fully pursue my career. So I decided on L.A., mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to do voice acting, so I cut my demo. And uh, I bummed around for a few months, and then before I really put my head down and started going after it, and in 2008, got my first small agent ran through all my paces, did all the crappy jobs, then I got a medium-sized agent, and then years later I got my agent now, which is fantastic. And they're one of the top five in the city. It's great. And um, God, I wish it was like a magical bullet. Like I was like walking walking down the street someday and some guy goes, you've got a great voice, get in here. <laughs> uh, it's not like that at all. Yeah. It's just like any other job. Mm-hmm. You know, I basically started in the mailroom and worked my way up. That's a really good analogy, especially for... A lot of people you hear when they talk about voice acting that they started here and it's something that, you know, they yeah. just progressed into getting into. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you've put in your work, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, from 2008 to, like, 2009, say, 10, I was, you know, doing every poopy project I could get my hands on just so, like, I said poopy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to say shitty, but you, I thought we were going to edit it Oh, out. no, that's completely fine. Uh, yeah, that I could get my hands on just so I was trying to pay the bills. Yeah. And then uh, one things really turned around around 2010, 2011 for me where I could leave my side job. I didn't have to, like, 
teach acting anymore. I didn't have to tent bar. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. I could just do voice acting. So um, I've, I've been been there for about five years, six years, full time. Yeah. Oh, wow. So did you you do a lot of anime? Did you have a huge interest in anime before you got started? Doing I liked anime. Okay. Sure, I watched it. I was you know I watched the classics. I watched DBZ in college. I watched. Naruto, I watched Death Note, all of that stuff influenced me. But um, I didn't have the an- opportunity to do anime until 2014 when I got cast in Sailor Moon. That was my very first anime. Mm-hmm. So um, I did a movie with Stephanie, who plays Sailor Moon, Stephanie mm-hmm. Shea, uh, called Patsuma Inverted, uh, like a week before we started on Sailor Moon. That was actually my first anime. This was my first series. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, how's that been, though, for with doing the dub for it and learning all the tricks of trying to match everything and It was up. definitely like trial by fire. I mean, not everybody walks into their first anime into Sexy Mask and Sailor You know what I mean? So I was nervous and I didn't have a lot of the skills I needed. I, I dubbed before, mm-hmm. but I dubbed like live action stuff. Okay. So anime was a lot different. I took to it pretty quick, but you can definitely hear the difference between like just in Sailor Moon, like episode one and episode, you know, ten. There's a, like, a, you hear me getting better. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because, honestly, that, that's what it takes. It just takes time. There is no, like, anime class. Mm-hmm. You know, Bang Zoom's got a nice workshop, but that's about it for all I know. There's yeah. a few, like, private teachers who will teach you how to dub, but, yeah. So when I dro- got dropped into that, I was like, oh, better be ready. <laughs> so thankfully, I, I, I fell back on my skills as a voice actor, and then I was able to learn the dubbing portion of it as I went along in my anime career. Oh, that's awesome. Especially with you doing animation. You do Breadwinners, mm-hmm. which I love. I have a yeah. seven-year-old, so I, I'm partial. <laughs> I, I, I like it a lot. It's, it's a very divisive show. People either love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. I get why people hate it, but I also get why they love it. I personally love it. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things I get to work on because the cast is amazing, and it's goofy, and I get to sing and, and do all sorts of fun voices. And um, and I do other prelate, too, um, and I'm working on stuff that's, a new, a new show for Nick and another show for Cartoon Network and Disney. I can't talk about any of them, but yeah. but they're but they're coming out soon next year. And um, I really love Prelay, which is you know American animation and video games. But um, anime is special in a way. Uh, the fandom is huge. the The style of it is is lovely. I lo- I, I like being able to see what's going on. And, yeah, I really like anime a lot. Yeah, that's great. And so being immersed within the Japanese culture. How has that been for you? I had a really fun. Uh, I heard a really fun day today. I, I uh, did a panel with the Japanese voice actor for um, Gailio, which is my character in uh, Gundam. Oh. We had a blast. He's so nice. He's so sweet. We had so many similarities, and because the language is so different and it's so far away, it's so it's across a great ocean. We tend to like, I don't know, separate, make them make their cultures so foreign, and really they're just dude like me there are cultural differences <laughs> but we had a lot of the same answers to the questions and obviously play the same roles so we have some similar traits and opinions about acting and all that stuff so um being in the anime culture itself that was awesome thankfully people liked what i did with tuxedo mask not everybody i'm sure there's some dude in his basement right now who wants to like kill me or something but um <laughs> but um uh, moreover the fans have been incredibly supportive and nice and positive about the work so so i got a real blessing by being able to receive, be on the receiving end of that. I didn't, like, you know, get crucified for my first because <laughs> that happened. Jumping into, you know, for me, when I watched Sailor Moon Crystal, they only had available 
the Japanese. Mm-hmm. So you're like getting really excited. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll be under, I'll be able to understand it without subtitles. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it worked well for me to listen to it and hear the voices. So I was really big. Yeah, so. it was nice. We got to do the original and Crystal, which mm-hmm. is huge, and we're still working on both. Mm-hmm. So so that was a, a great show to walk in. People, when I first got it, were like, oh, you're going to be ready. Their fans are going to be mean to you. And I was like, why? And they're like, they love those oh, characters. There are some die. And I, I've been, since sure. I was a kid, you know, watching the show. And when they rebooted for Crystal, mm. I got really excited. The fact that they said that they were going to stay true to what she originally wanted. The manga. Yeah. yeah, which was awesome. So I'm like, oh, I'm all ready for it. So yeah. there are people that are diehards. They are diehards, <laughs> because that's the double-edged sword, right? The more they love it, the more critical they're going to be. Yeah. So thankfully, everybody's been really, really positive. Yes. Yeah, great fandom to walk into. Absolutely. That's awesome. And what's great is that you're Native American. I like am. Having that diversity is really big. And yeah. You're definitely not the first person to say that, but I appreciate the sentiment for sure. I'm half, mm-hmm. so, you know, my mother's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful woman, <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, as far as I know, my dad's pure-blooded, and uh, there is not a lot of representation for Native Americans in, in the business, but they, they fall into tropes of, like, noble, savage, you know, all these sort of, and especially in their casting in film and television. I just watched Magnificent Seven, and I, uh, I I love the Seven Samurai, and I love the original Magnificent Seven, and, and I and I kind of like this new one. But then the Indian comes up, the native comes up like on a horse with a dead deer and a painted face, and it's like yeah, the the I'm just like really we can't have him just being one of the guys. He's got to be some mythical yeah. creature. I mean I don't know. It's whatever. It's the old it's the old stereotype, but they they handled it pretty well. He was a very likable character, so I think it was handled way better than. You know, ridiculous six. You know. Oh, I didn't talk about that. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't. I refused to watch it. I read the yeah. scripts, and I just. It was really. That was really disgusting to me. It was really. I, I remember talking to my grandmother, and I just gotten her set up on Netflix, and she, for whatever reason, felt the need to click on it because she didn't know what it was, and she was uh, very upset. She's it's like, so offensive. Very offensive. I somebody showed me like a little clip of it. Like, I hey, mean, don't don't show me that. That's just get out of here. It's two thousand. Like, we don't need that. Like, and I'm the first one. You ask, I don't know if you've talked to Max Ray or any of my other friends, but, like, you ask them, I'm the first one to joke about, like, race and taboo subjects. It's mm-hmm. my favorite thing to do. It's the best way to, like, lighten the it's mood. the best way to lighten the mood. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then when you find out you're comfortable with friends like that, that's cool. But that's joking among friends. Yeah. That's, like, behind closed doors goofing around with you know, you know, those sort of people. Like, me and one of my closest friends is my buddy Amari, and he's been Big old black dude, like huge. And does a voice for Ben Ten? Uh, Amari uh, on the show. Oh, Amari Williams. Yeah, he's uh, he does a. I don't know. I, don't he, I know. He, I thought he was. He's on a, a he's a he's a transformer. Yes, he's, he was definitely in Breadwinners. He's been. He's the oh, he's the voice, the promo voice for Empire. Just a strong black man voice. Yeah, I think I got to meet him last year at oh, Dragon Con. Oh, that he might was have been really, it. really cool. Well, we're, so we're walking around, and he's this big, imposing guy, and he's you know like you know four inches taller than me, and whatever. We're going in this parking lot, and there's like this white guy like texting on his phone in like this dark parking lot. He's like, "Hey, I, I, you know, I'm six foot two twenty five. I was like, "Hey, what if you and I were like scared of that white guy like in the corner texting his phone? Like him and I were like, oh no, you know, we had a good laugh about that kind of stuff. Is cool to me that uh, that, that you're able to joke with friends, but the, that I just can't, I can't, 
can't bear that sort of stuff. I couldn't watch it. Yeah, yeah when you put that stuff out there for people to see that, you know, there are people that are going to watch it who are of that race that are going to yeah. get offended. I it's different. And it's tough, too, because even in voiceover, like, I played Smokey Brown in uh, in uh, JoJo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I love the part. And thankfully, people have said I did an okay job with it or whatever. But uh, I was like, really, we don't have black kid we can cast in this? You know, but that's not my, and we mm-hmm. did. And I, but he got cast in something else. as yeah. a different role. So, and Smokey's a pretty small role. So even that, I was like a little bit, you know, tugging at my collar about, mm-hmm. but that's voiceover. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's a little bit different. But, yeah, um, it's different. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know that, you know, like uh, John DiMaggio does all the black voices and people are like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. And he's great at it. Yeah. And it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad there's not a ton of natives uh, in Hollywood at all, but, uh, but there's also very few in voiceover, and I'm glad to be. I'm glad to represent whatever way I can. Oh, that's great. Uh, to have that behind the scenes, which a lot of people, they get defensive, and they're like, oh, well, who's actually doing it? And so to, to have, you know, a Native American playing a traditionally Japanese White. character. Japanese. Oh, Japanese. Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool because, Thanks. you know, it allows that bridge for diversity instead of a white character, a white person playing all well, the time. We all, we all yeah. come, we all come from somewhere. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, that, I think that, we are progressing in that way mm-hmm. and, and as a society, and that's that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's good to see that it's bleeding over in anime, too. Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is great. So have you seen any really good cosplays that you loved today? Oh, gosh, there was a lot of good stuff on the floor today. What did I see? The Mercy down there is really good. I, her wings are pretty dope. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, there's a good Mercy down there. There's, uh, ooh, God, there's a, what is it, Warhammer 4000, those big, giant... Guys stomping oh. around like the Space Marines, I think they're called. Yeah. They're awesome. That was a, AWA, I, the, the cosplay's been on point. Really solid. Everyone in my autograph line today was looking sharp. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's good. Lots of Sailor Scouts running around. <laughs> I've seen a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me happy. I saw a lot of Saturns yeah. after, you know, season three. I was like, great. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Which is, you don't rarely, you rarely see Saturns. So it's like when you see someone dressed as it, you give them all of, you know, the props you, that you give can. Give them props. Give them props. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see any of the original Sailor Moon before you got pulled into the project? Oh, I knew of it. Mm-hmm. It had been a while. Yeah. I'd seen them in college. Like, I think, I hate to say, I think my buddy had, like, some bootleg CD-ROMs or whatever that shows how old I am, like some bootleg video files, and I watched I was like, oh yeah, this is a Saturday morning cartoon, but it, I hadn't seen it forever, so when the show came along, I, I had to remind myself about what it was all about, so I went and watched a little bit of it, mm-hmm. not too much, didn't really I respect the previous uh, Canadian dubs a lot, there were three different guys mm-hmm. so I didn't know who I was listening to who did they like, what was going on so I didn't really try to listen to the English all that much uh-huh. I just watched some of the Japanese scenes and kind of got the vibe of it, and and that's where I went with their moving forward with the Japanese stuff. Well, I'm so glad that I got to meet you because I'm really excited and I got to interview you. It was, it was, oh, it's, you asked great questions. It was lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you. Super nice. <laughs> the Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. Various segments on all podcast episodes are edited by M.R. Daniel and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our podcast is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals used throughout podcast episodes are created by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find our shows on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and Stitcher.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.